Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM, Richmond's home for VCU basketball. And the Rams defeated the Rhode Island Rams last night, 88-67. to Max Sholga scored 20 points, connected on six of nine attempts from the field, including two of five from three-point range. Senior guard Joe Bamisil led all scores with 24 points. Uh, he had a funny quote after the game there. I put it up. Even if there's a defender in my face, something like that. I mean, just Joe does not care. He comes in, and he told us last game, said, my role is to score points. My role is to be a basketball player, and the way I play, it leads to me getting buckets. That was his fifth 20-point game of the season. He knocked down five of nine attempts from behind the three-point line, grabbed four rebounds and two steals. How about graduate wing Sean Bairstow converting seven of 11 attempts from the field, a 16-point night for Bairstow of the black and gold. And, you know, that was good for him to bounce back. Uh, But I really don't think the box score shows just how good Zeb Jackson was. The VCU senior guard has been a captain on the court. He he leads by his leadership, by his play, uh, by running his mouth and talking to his teammates and getting them involved. I thought there was a great play that won't get talked about enough in which Joe Bamisil was running around screens and was lacking, and Zeb turned and yelled at him, get around that screen! And Joe eventually got around it, hustled it up, and made a difference deflecting the shot. And it's that kind of leadership from Zeb. It's not his job, it's not his man, but he was making sure his teammates knew that they have to keep a high hand on all of these shooters. So Zeb Jackson finished the game with 11 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists, and 3 steals. Here's my conversation with Zeb Jackson following the VCU win. Adam Epstein here with Zeb Jackson, 910 The Fan, now 105-1 FM, following a big victory over a tough team in Rhode Island. You had a 21-point lead at halftime, came out strong the second half, and closed with a 21-point victory. How are you feeling? Uh, feeling real good. I mean, we definitely uh, feel like we could have ended the game a lot better, finished stronger, um, and not let up. But I, I feel good. I'm happy we came out with the, the big dub and um, did it together. You know, we were just talking about you started the game so hot. I mean, you had the first two assists of the game, a couple steals, some made buckets. I mean, what was your urgency about tonight? <laughs> I'm beyond. It was just one of them days, if, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Like, I really felt the energy at the beginning of the game and um, – Start off aggressive on defense, and it was it was really ending up like you sending some steals and stuff like that. So I just wanted to just keep that up. What was the game plan? Things that you knew you could take advantage about this Rhode Island team? Um, I mean, we knew they were a good team, especially uh, on offense, and we just wanted to come in and be us, uh, be us on both ends of the ball. And uh, I feel like we did a good job of that for for most of the game, more so than usually. Um, and and the start, the good start, definitely helped a lot. Yeah, and you were so locked in on the defensive end, the steals, deflections. What was going through your mind defensively? Um, one thing we talked about, especially like before the season even started, uh, me and some of the coaches, was my ability to play defense, my ability to be a pest, um, being a racer. So I really today just wanted to be aggressive. Like you said, even just a deflection, you know what I'm saying, was um, something that I was going for each time. And um, from the jump, I felt like they were pretty loose with the ball. So I just wanted to – I just kept going for it. 
Seb Jackson, point guard for VCU, here with us following another victory at home. Five assists, one turnover. How much is the assist-to-turnover ratio? How, how important is that to you? Uh, very important. Uh, I want to say like midway through the season, um, Coach Odom brought me, Max, and Sean in and talked to us as captains, and that was one of the things that we emphasized, us taking care of the ball. Um, and he talked to me individually about that as well. Um, and... It's just, it's really about playing the right way. It's not something I necessarily focus on, like not turning the ball over, but I just know um, when I play the way, when I play the right way and the way that they're choosing us to play and stopping and all of that stuff, um, just being patient, I know to end up with stats like that. 24 points for Joe Bamsill off the bench, leading scorer again. How great has he been? Amazing. I'm going to be honest with you. We always just look up at, uh, like near the end of the game, like Joe has 20, like <laughs> Joe has 30. And it's just amazing to watch. Every time he shoots the ball, you feel like it's going in, so... Um, he, and he's an awesome teammate at, at, as well. Like not just on the court, but off the court. He's just an amazing person. Brings a lot of energy. Brings a lot of positivity. And we just love to have Joe around. Yeah, and he was one of five guys to hit a three-point shot. How important is the outside shooting for this team? Um, it's super important, especially the way we play. Um, we, we, we would prefer to play inside out. You know, what I'm saying attacking, stopping, um, finding windows. Uh, so it's definitely a part of our play style. And when we're knocking him in, I mean, it, it just. It takes us to a whole nother level. Zeb, I want to pat you on the back a little bit here. You know I'm the leader of the Zeb train all aboard. I've been hyping you up since last season when you got here because you're so damn athletic and you're fast. But what I really want to give you credit for, I'm admiring your leadership this year. It feels like on the court you're not just the emotional leader, you're the vocal leader doing it all. No, I mean, it was something that was also something that uh, especially I want to give a shout-out to like Darius, Brad, like Amal, like those guys who um, – just like recently came off of playing for real, we're really just emphasizing the like how I can use my voice, how I can use my energy to uplift the team, and it's not all about points or stats or whatever kids may be. Like um, I can start off bad or whatever, but what this team needs from me is not necessarily stats all the time. It could just be picking someone up. Uh, like I, I know the other game uh, when Joe wasn't shooting so well the first half, I just told him like, bro, like they're about to fall. Like just trust it and and keep shooting it because every time you shoot it, we feel like it's going in. And um, I'm happy he kept shooting it and. He catch on fire quick, so it's just little stuff like that that helps our team, and um, it's something that I definitely want to emphasize and just keep growing at. Glad you mentioned Darius Theus, uh, one of the great point guards here at VCU, now one of the assistant coaches, and I see you guys talking sometimes on the sideline. What are those conversations like when you check out? Uh, we talk all the time. If I'm being honest, like Darius is, we're locked in, like we're super tight, so um, it could be about anything, to be honest, like. The times you've seen us talking, it could be him getting on me about something. It could be him telling me, like, you need to keep doing this. Or it could be him telling me, um, you need to go out there and lead. Like, you don't need to be trying to throw shots up. You don't need to be trying to score. Like, be patient and just go out there and bring everybody up. So um, it could be about anything. Darius just, he's always there and, and ready to help me out. And uh, he knows a lot about the game, so it's super helpful. I want to go back to the loss against St. Bonaventure. I know that was disappointing for the whole team, but since then, as a team, you guys have rebounded, especially the guards. I believe you had five boards today. How important is it for the guards to help rebound? Uh, super important. And that second Bonnie's game, especially, like, rebounding was a huge issue. So um, for us, it's about obviously boxing out, but for the guards, flying in there and helping the bigs out when they're boxing out because a lot of times it's a tough matchup down there for them. So um, it's something we emphasize, especially after that second Bonnie's game, and I feel like we've been doing – a better job of it, but I think we could do a lot better as well. Zeb Jackson with us here following a VCU win, 9-10 the fan, now 105-1 FM. Richmond's home for VCU basketball, so I do pregame at halftime. My keys to victory today, you hit all three of them. Number one was get off to a fast start after the last two games. Was that something that you guys focused on? Um, I think it's something that we focus on every game, to be honest. We always emphasize playing for 40 minutes, defending for 40 minutes. 
Um, and today, I definitely think we did a much better job of getting off to a good start. So check that key. Second key was turnovers. You won the turnover battle. Is that something you guys focused on? Uh, that's another thing we focus on every game. But I think the first half, we definitely start off with too many turnovers. The second half, we did a real good job. I think they said two turnovers in the second half. So we were able to fix it, which is, I mean, that's a huge part of college basketball, being able to adjust. And then won the rebounding battle. Three keys to victory. Comes with a dub. Yeah, no, I mean, that's amazing. That's good to hear that we got all three of those things done. And uh, it's even better for me to think that we could get much better at all of them. So so you guys got a fast start and then a 21-point lead. What was the conversation like in, in halftime there to keep the foot on the pedal? Um, hey, Just what you said, keeping the foot on the pe- pedal, keeping our, our foot on their neck and uh, not letting up. And we just came off of a bad loss to UMass where they did that to us and they didn't let up. And um, it was important for us to remember that and, and understand, like, um, people don't take a light on, light on us, so, so why, that, why do that with anyone else? Something I've picked up from covering the team this season, and Sean mentioned it in the postgame press conference, like you guys track offensive rebounds, fast break, who can win the race, he said. How much is accountability part of Coach Odom's coaching style? A, a huge part, and one thing that Coach Odom uh, emphasizes that I think is awesome, especially when it comes to building a culture, is like you, 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 don't, you don't realize how much those little details matter until – you lose off of them, to be honest. Like you could get lucky here and there, you know what I'm saying? But when we get into March, when we get into the tournament, like those little things can help you win a game if other stuff aren't go- isn't going well, or it can help you win a game even if stuff is going well and the other team is doing that much better, you know what I'm saying? So those little details are super important in basketball and in life in general. Zeb, how are you feeling? Because I mean, you just had such a great game. It felt like you had the athletic explosion that we're used to. You know, or have you been dealing with some injuries? How are you feeling tonight? Um, I was feeling good. I'm not gonna lie. I was, I was feeling a little, little sluggish before the game started. <laughs> but I'm, I'm. That's why I'm, when you said like, what was it? I mean, it was just uh, God, God. I guess to be honest, like, um, really just giving me this ability and allowing me to go out there and just show what I'm capable of is a gift given from him. And you feel like your team's starting to hit full stride ahead of the conference tournament? 100%. I think we're slowly starting to uh, mesh well together. Um, it's been kind of up and down, a little roller coaster since we have it, everyone. But um, I think we'd be kind of fools to to expect everything to be nice and smooth. So uh, we're, we're just staying connected, continuously talking to each other. Um, and, yeah, I feel like we're slowly, slowly getting closer to that ceiling. VCU captain and point guard Zeb Jackson following a win at the Seagull Center against the Rhode Island Rams. Trivia question, how did the last game end between VCU and Rhode Island? <laughs> That's an easy one. Buzzer beater. Game winner. <laughs> Five? <laughs> Number two. <laughs> Rewind back to last year and tell us about that moment. Uh, that moment was honestly just amazing, and I want to go back to just giving God the glory for that because that's something that um, I, I didn't expect at all. And um, I just want to give a huge shout-out to our entire team last year, to be honest, because um, that game was super fun for me. But um, what we did after that and in the tournament and going to March Madness, was, it made it that much better. So it, it was an awesome experience, though. So you had a play today where you took a guy off the dribble, crossed him up, and hit a mid-range jump shot. I, I'm sitting next to Zach Joaquin, Richmond Times Dispatch, and I said, that looks like something they worked on in practice. <laughs> Have you been working on your mid-range? Uh, nah, mid-range is something that I've worked on with my dad since I was super little. So um, really getting back to that and trusting that, but also understanding which ones are the right ones to take is super important for me. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm, happy it was, I'm happy it dropped because it is something that I work on, and it, it felt good when it came off my hands. Throughout the season, you guys have mentioned this whiteboard after games that where you write uh, what's acceptable, what's unacceptable. I forget the term you guys used. What was acceptable tonight and what was unacceptable? I'm be honest. We kind of got out of there pretty quick because Coach had an interview. But <laughs> I think one of the things that uh, was definitely acceptable was um, the start. 
I definitely, we will, we'll definitely probably emphasize the start, but we always do. Are you talking about celebrate, tolerate? Mm-hmm. So yeah. we we do that tomorrow. Okay. So we'll do like day after we'll uh, meet before we meet with the coaches. So we we'll have players only and do like celebrate, tolerate. So we'll figure out more tomorrow. But one thing I know will be celebrate is start a game, and one thing I know will be tolerate is definitely finishing the game mm-hmm. the same way we started. So um, I think down the stretch we could have got more stops, but I'm excited to to see what we do from here on. Great work, Zeb. Thanks a lot. Yes, sir. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM. There are more details starting to emerge about Wendy's starting surge pricing. We will discuss what we know about the surge pricing at Wendy's coming up later today on Dude Food. Uh, but right now, it's time to talk all things NBA. We head out on the fast break with AWOD. Let's go. Let's play some basketball here. We're going on the fast break with AWOD. From buzzer beating shots to the best highlight plays from around the league, every clutch moment. Stroking it from three. The all stars of the league. We're out in transition. It's a breakaway. It's gone at the buzzer. It's the fast break and AWOD talking all things NBA. All right, I'm LeBron James. It's time to bring in our buddy Anthony Davis, Justin Fensterman from SiriusXM. What's going on, Fensty? AWOD, good to be with you and good to be your tag team partner like, of course, AD and LeBron James. Yeah, let's start right there. I I was out at uh, a bar, Don't Look Back, with a buddy late night getting some tacos after the VCU win. Watched the entire fourth quarter as the Lakers erase a 21-point deficit. LeBron scores 19 in the fourth as they stun the Clippers 116-112. Yeah, it was very shocking there, and now the Lakers have won seven of their last ten. You can't sleep on the Lakers or the Golden State Warriors, for that matter, because if there's anything that they have over some of these more experienced teams and collective units, it's that experience, and both those teams have that. That's why the West could easily be shaken up between now and the end of the season. So I don't want to say don't sleep on the Lakers. I don't think that they can beat a team like the Nuggets in a seven-game series. I question it with the Thunder, even with the Clippers, who they just beat. But still, them getting to at least the second round, certainly not out of the question. Yeah, but we are starting to see you know, the top three teams in the West uh, put some distance between them and the four and the five seed, the Clippers and the Suns. The Nuggets have won four straight. The Thunder have won six straight. And the T-Wolves have won three. It's starting to look more likely the T-Wolves could end up at the top of the Western Conference at the end of the season. How crazy is it, though, that the T-Wolves, Thunder, and Nuggets are all still in the same division? Yeah, it just shows the competitiveness of that division. And with that, the one thing, Awan, I'm trying to buy into the Timberwolves a little bit more, but I've seen a little bit of cracks in their defense that I'm sure that they're going to be looking to address over the next few months. Little things when you watch them night after night. I just don't know if they can make it out of the Western Conference. I really don't have that full confidence in them. I love Anthony Edwards. I love what their front court brings. Rudy Gobert is arguably the best defensive center in the league. They know how to slow down opposing fast-paced teams, which would be crucial in a series against the Thunder. Awan, I, for some reason, just don't see it. I don't know why. It's a gut feel right now, but I'm trying to buy into this Timberwolves team a little more. What about you? Yeah, I, I'm just I'm I'm not all the way bought in on Carl Anthony Towns. 
uh, in the postseason. He just kind of seems like a regular season guy and a clown in the postseason. I'm not sure, uh, you know, that if they got into a series with the Lakers that I would pick the T-Wolves to win. The Thunder, if the playoffs started today, would line up with the Dallas Mavericks in a 2-7 matchup. And I would end up picking the Mavs and Luka Doncic, who got another triple-double on his birthday last night. Wow, he certainly did. I don't know if I'm lockstep with you on that. I'll tell you this much, though. From a pace standpoint, it'd be moving at lightning speed, which would be huge because Dallas can turn up that volume on the Thunder. If they're hitting their shots, they'll be able to stick with them. I just think overall the Thunder have more depth. The Thunder are built a little bit more like a puzzle. Each piece does their own thing and are multidimensional enough where they can help out in other areas, too, to make sure the Thunder have all areas covered. Because when you're a fast-paced team like the Thunder is, you got to be able to play defense. You're sacrificing a lot of that defense and constantly being on the run. The Thunder do a great job getting back, and that just shows their youth and fresh legs that they have on that team. So I disagree with you. However, Awad, I can see that series going six or seven. That seems like at least a series that could go the distance because we can't sleep on the Dallas backcourt. It's too deadly offensively. After the Super Bowl is finished, all eyes start to turn to college hoops and the NBA, especially here in Richmond, Virginia. Top 10 in NBA viewing over the last three years. And uh, it's not like they're watching Wizards games. That team is 9-49. and <laughs> But here in RVA, we do love the NBA. And I was just talking to my buddy last night. He believes the Celtics on a nine-game win streak are going to represent the Eastern Conference. And, and look, they've had a tremendous season. But, I, you know, I would argue I still think it's the Bucks this season because they were damn good last year, and then they upgraded with Damian Lillard. They brought in Doc Rivers, who I don't love as a coach, but I would pick the Bucks over the Celtics. What do you think? I completely disagree, and that's because the Bucks have major defensive issues. They have issues with health when it comes to guys like Chris Middleton. While bringing in Damian Lillard was solid for their offense, Awad, Damian Lillard is atrocious defensively. Now, you look at some of the stats lately. He's been rebounding more. I'm wondering if maybe Patrick Beverly or Doc Rivers got in his ear and said, hey, man, you got to also crash the boards as well, so we're not giving up extra possessions. I just think ultimately – Full strength, you put Milwaukee up against Boston. I think Boston has more depth. And outside, yeah, they maybe don't have the most size. They still have very big-time skill on both ends of the floor. Porzing is still a tough matchup. If anything, I'm wondering if maybe Cleveland is that team because Cleveland, very, very strong defensively. This makes me all convinced that it's Boston's conference mm. to lose, but I don't see Milwaukee being too much of a threat to them. Oh, Fensty, I hate to disagree with you, but if you're talking about health and you're assuming that Kristaps Porzingis is going to stay <laughs> healthy, I think you're crazy. Look, here's what I think is going to happen with Kristaps Porzingis. They'll make the playoffs as the one seed. That's obvious. He will be great in the first round matchup. The second round, he's going to give you two hard games, and then his ankle's going to pop, or his back's going to hurt, and he's going to be hobbled for the rest of the series. I just don't see how Kristaps Porzingis stays healthy throughout the postseason. He's never done that before. Well, let me ask you this, Awad. If they did lose Kristaps Porzingis, are they totally screwed, essentially? Because I don't think they are. I think, okay, you plug in a big man, whether it's Al Horford or whether it's Xavier Tillman, who they acquired at the deadline for more depth on that front. Jason Tatum can just do so much on both sides of the ball. So that's how well-built the Celtics are, in my opinion, that if they lose Kristaps Porzingis, yeah, it's a loss, but it's not a huge loss. You just 
take some of that offense and you feature Derek White and Jalen Brown a little bit more, and you've got good shooters off the bench too. So I don't think losing Kristaps Porzingis really downgrades the team. That's how deep they are. Yeah, I, I certainly think they're a deep team, but if Al Horford's trying to defend Giannis, give me bucks uh, with the advantage in that one. How about the surging Miami Heat? Now won five straight. They had that crazy uh, brawl the other night, uh, but Jimmy Butler's been playing well. What do you think of the Heat? They're gelling nicely since they've gotten Terry Rozier. It upgrades them on both sides of the ball, particularly on the offensive end. I mean, we've seen games where Duncan Robinson can't hit anything, and that's where Terry Rozier definitely fills up a little bit more when the Heat aren't getting enough offense. They are very sound defensively. Anyone on that team plays defense, and that's what's been good about them. So they've done it before. They've moved up in the standings. They've broken the playoff bracket before, and now this team, which is very disciplined defensively, adding the offense that they did, even getting DeLon Wright, who Awad, I know you know something, little something about I think is a decent acquisition as well, getting that extra offense. And if I'm any of these teams right now, I don't want to play the Miami Heat at full strength. No, no. I, I just think the Heat could kind of sneak into you know Eastern Comets uh, semifinals uh, pretty easily. They seem to always do that come June. You can bet on this now. NBA MVP odd on FanDuel. Sign up today. Promo code AWOD. Your current favorite, Denver Nuggets center Nikola Jokic. Uh, other than him, your second favorite, SGA, Shy Gilgis Alexander. How about that? Luka Doncic's third, Giannis fourth. Who would you vote for MVP? I still think it's Nikola Jokic. However, SGA is very intriguing, and I know that the voters are going to want to give it to him. Let's say there's somehow move up to number one in the conference. I see those odds evening out between Jokic and SGA. Overall, though, I think, like I said, the Thunder have a lot of depth, and SGA is the leader of that depth. Nikola Jokic more has to carry the Nuggets a little bit more on his back, at least in my opinion, as SGA has more established weapons overall. So I'm still voting Jokic there. But I'm telling you, Awad, if we see the Thunder solidify in first place in the next month, those odds are going to seesaw and SGA becomes the favorite. It's a voting award, unfortunately. You can follow Justin Fensterman on social media at Fensty Sports. Check him out on Sirius XM. Uh, you know, what's a, uh, an NBA storyline you don't think is getting enough love right now? One NBA storyline that I'm actually going to be following is the Orlando Magic because I think Jamal Mosley has done such a great job. And by the way, if you're looking for coach of the year, maybe a little bit more of a long shot, but look at what he's doing. This Magic team isn't exciting to watch, but they're very strong defensively. Between Paolo Bancaro and Franz Wagner's defense alone, it's worth the price of admission. They're 33-26. and 26. They've also won seven of their last ten, and this is a team that just knows how to slow you down. So I know that right now they're not in the top six, but at the same time, who would have thought that the Magic would be this over five hundred at this point in the season? So that's a storyline that I want to continue to watch to see if the Magic can hang in there and maybe even make it to the first round out of the play-in tournament. Justin, always appreciate you joining the show. You know, we haven't talked since All-Star Weekend. My favorite thing that came out of that was the Jalen Brunson podcast with Josh Hart where he revealed during the three-point contest, he heard someone yelling at him, Stop missing, you bum! And he turned around, and it was his dad. <laughs> yeah, You know what, A-Wad? There are videos out there that you should search on the internet where it shows Jalen Brunson training with Rick Brunson, essentially videotaping him and coaching him. Yeah. So he always gave Jalen that tough love, but clearly Jalen appreciates that that's why they migrated to New York together. That was a big selling point as well 
for Jalen Brunson coming to the Knicks that his father was hired by the team as well. So clearly it might have been tough love, but he used it as motivation because he is one of the best point guards in the league. Yeah, no, it just made me laugh so much. Like, you're in, you know, the three-point contest, All-Star Weekend, and you turn around and it's your dad talking smack. (laughs) No, it's it's crazy, man, and you know what? But that, again, Rick Brunson, he was on teams like the 1999 New York Knicks eight seed that no one was paying attention to. He was your 12th man on that team, so he knows what it's like to be doubted. And by the way, A1, I'll say one thing since we always laugh at the Wizards. Smartest thing they did, bringing Jordan Poole in off the bench. I think that makes them somewhat dynamic, and it just shows Jordan Poole's not even good enough to be a number three guy in this league. Yeah, no, he, he's a joke right now, and uh, I, I can't believe his comments after they moved him to the bench where he, he didn't like it. Like, dude, you shot four of 17. You should not be a starter. It's just it's stupid for this team and the organization because you're not a part of the future. They're going to try to trade him. I, I would literally, AWOD, trade him for a bowl of chili from Ben's Chili Bowl right now. I know, right? Especially you get some Fritos with that. <laughs> yes, you get it. You yeah. get it. Fancy always fun, man. Thanks a lot. Thanks so much, AWOD. Yep, you're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM. Available for free on the Odyssey app. Download it today and just search 910 The Fan now at 105.1 FM. They hear me Monday through Friday from 12 to 3 p.m. It's the best app out there for music, play-by-play, and sports talk. It gives you the ability to rewind, pause the show, run some errand, or pick up right where you left off. You can rewind to the Sports Junkies from 6 to 10. Michael Phillips, MP on the mic from 10 to noon. I'm 12 to 3 before we pass it off to Grant and Danny. We've got Stubb. Running the ones and twos behind the glass. What's going on, Stubb? hey When was the last time you went out to get fast food? Fast food? Uh, Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah. You have, you've become one of our uh, newer fast food foodies. Yeah, we I mean, used to I, have Ryan McBrown. He was obsessed with the McDonald's. He'd come on the air, talk about fast food, and now that's been your job. Yeah, it's only like a weekly trip usually. Yeah. Although yesterday I ended up getting TGI Fridays, uh-huh. a pickup, because I was in the station for a while. Yeah. I want the VCU thing. What'd you What'd you eat from TGI Fridays? Got fajitas. Oh, really? Yeah, it wasn't bad. I, I, I had to make them in the office here. Yeah, I do love fajitas. <laughs> it's, it's hard to mess up fajitas, It honestly. is, it is. They had really good guac. I was surprised by TGI Fridays guac options. Yeah, okay. And uh, the chicken was decent, but with some, some peppers and onions and good guac, you can make a good fajita. Yeah, you know, I went to Lucky AF the other day uh-huh uh, love that spot I think I think you know I've been trying to find my favorite uh Asian or Asian fusion restaurant in this area I think fat dragon's still my favorite but lucky AF was great you know what I was shocked though the food was great all right it's not that it was bad but the chicken was better than the steak and that surprised me because most places the steak is better than the chicken I I've become more I if I go out I get chicken related things most of the time it's a burger or something with chicken in it true i never yeah. really go the steak route really no see i i do if i'm if i want to get like a nice a nice dinner i don't have that in me no no <laughs> no no there's, there's ever, not a lot of nice dinners you that don't i ever have. treat yourself nicely no, I no. Don't. all right well we wanted to get into wendy's and their plan to test surge pricing they recently announced this uh, they would be testing quote dynamic pricing also known as surge pricing, at its restaurants as early as 2025, uh, which would entail them adjusting prices based on demand, time of day, or other factors. That is the lead story here 
on Dude Food. Dude Food. We're not responsible for the content of this program. Or anything we say when we're really hungry. Where's my food? Dude, where's my food? food? The most delicious food you've ever tasted. Yes! How can he piss off a flip-flop? Who <laughs> loves food? Dude Food. Now, the Junkies talked about this on Tuesday. Drab T-shirt, Drabby T, the executive producer and the assistant program director in D.C., was very against it. Now I've oh, been yeah. I've been to his house. He has a wa- he has a Wendy's within walking distance. He could literally throw a baseball from his window and hit the Wendy's. So I know he loves that it's Wendy's. Yeah. He loves the chili. His his two beautiful twin daughters. They love the chicken nuggies. His wife course, loves the food there too. I'm a big fan of Wendy's. Yeah, it's my right? it's my go to for burgers. Really, like fast food drive through. That's my number one. It's a good spot. I've always had a soft spot for the Wendy's chilies. My mom never had a Wendy's the chili. Wendy's chili. My mom and I really like it. But they received a ton of backlash. Oh yeah, right. There was a lot of serious pushback from customers that has resulted in a statement from the chain to clarify the plan. Here is the official statement from that redheaded stepchild herself. Wendy. <laughs> the the redheaded one, he had two daughters. One was named Wendy and the other was redheaded. Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> that's real. I didn't know that. Yeah. And that's why he named it Wendy's? With yeah, a so they of each the kind of. Yeah, exactly. Oh, really? Give them both a little. Oh, that's that's yeah, kind of cute. That's kind of cute, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to go to Wendy's anytime soon <laughs> because of that, but here's the official statement from Wendy. All right. Quote Digital menu boards are being added to U.S. company owned restaurants. This was misconstrued in some media reports as an intent to raise prices when demand is highest at our restaurants. We have no plan to do that and would not raise prices when our customers are visiting us most. Digital menu boards could allow us to change the menu offerings at different times of the day and offer discounts and value offers to our customers more easily, particularly in the slower time of the day. Wendy's has always been about providing high-quality food at a great value, and customers continue can continue to expect that from our brand. Now, I'll say, I wouldn't call it high-quality food. Fresh, <laughs> you know? never frozen. Yeah, right? Is that their <laughs> bit? Um, no, I will say, that statement kind of feels like their plan is to not do surge pricing, but to lower prices when they're slow to try to attract more customers. Yeah, I'm not buying it. You're not buying I'm it. I'm not buying oh, it. So you're oh, mad at d- Wendy. I, 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 I doubt that they aren't going to raise it at, at Lunch Rush. Really? They're going to. How much is it right now when you go to Wendy's? Like, you, let's say, like, what will fill you up? How I much? will typically get a $5 biggie bag, which is apparently You've talked $6. about this biggie bag for months, yeah, it's dude. Six do- well, you get, it, it's just a four for four, but it's $6 instead. Okay. So you get like a small burger, four nuggets, fries, and a drink, mm-hmm. and then I'll also get like a dollar fifty chicken sandwich. Okay. So usually like nine dollars is what I spend. So you're under ten. That's pretty good. Yeah. Okay. The company plans to spend around twenty million on the new digital menu boards by the end of 2025. In a statement they shared with you uh, with today, they said that surge pricing can allow Wendy's to be competitive and flexible with pricing motivate customers to visit and provide them with food they love at great value. Now, I will say, I do think it's a good idea to have the digital menu board, right? It's archaic to have the one where you have to, like, stand on a ladder and change yeah, the prices. Yeah, it's nice. It's just a right? nice... Yeah. But I do I do worry about how easily they could... Oh, Barry. the line's out the door? Let's make it four ninety nine instead of three ninety. Yep. I, I will. For someone like Drab, though, mm-hmm. I think that if he goes out, walks over to Wendy's 10 minutes before close... 
You're going to get some good deals. Oh, that's a You're good You're going to get some good like deals. end of the night <laughs> yeah. kind of thing. Like they're about to throw stuff out. Yeah. Well, that's the thing people sleep on is that Wendy's, Dunkin' Donuts, Starbucks, McDonald's, even Quiznos when I was working out, working there, throw away, throw away a, a ton lot of, food of food at the end of the night. So if they now have a chance to offer right beforehand, yeah. saying maybe check it. Maybe once this goes through, maybe check out. 15 minutes before closing Wendy's. See, yeah. see what the prices look like up there. You know how much bread I used to go home with that was like one day away from molding? Yeah, you know? yeah, I, I, so I know a lot bread. of people like that. Yeah, <laughs> That's right. just kind of what happens. Yeah. So the debate is all over X. If you'd like to chime in, give us a call, 833-804-0910. 833-804-0910. Several piece people have posted saying, I will no longer be eating at Wendy's. They are very upset. I eat at off hours, Okay. so I think this will benefit me, but I'm ultimately against it for the for the common man. Yeah, I am too, because I just it's a slippery slope. It feels like... Other people are going to start right. doing it. Now, I will say, I am obsessed with... The McDonald's touchscreen for ordering food. Yep. I I know. I ha- I'll be honest with you. I haven't been to McDonald's in probably eight months. I mean, it's been a while. Okay. But when I was living in Arlington, there was one right up the street, and I just love how you can walk in, order yourself, touch the buttons, get the food, and not have to talk to a uh, an employee at all. I, there's something about that I, that I really like. Yeah. I, I usually just do that, but on my phone. Yeah. When I come grab it and I leave. Because I think those you, points. I think you you feel less fat when you don't have someone saying. Would you like to make that an extra large? You know what yeah. I mean? You just, you know, you can spend $18 and feel like whatever. They they don't know what I ordered. You know? <laughs> That's true. I mean, when they when they hand you your bag and it's overflowing with burgers, they might yeah. know a little bit, but That's a good point. It's only so much. What do you want to bring up on Dude Food today? I saw Panera announces biggest menu transformation in brand history. Whoa! Starting <laughs> April 4th of now, this year. I'm pro Panera. Are you Oh, I'm out. You're anti-Panera. Hate Panera. You're, you're AP. The anti-Panera. worst portion sizes of any restaurant in oh, very America. Very true. Very true. And a lot of people like to argue that it's hospital food. I think it's damn good hospital food. When I'm sick, Panera slaps so yes. hard. Yes. And a, and a bread bowl, broccoli cheddar, no one else is offering something like that. Yeah. That's a genius creation. And I also think you're sleeping on how good the, the creamy uh, rice white soup is. I think I forget what it's called. Never had it. Yeah, I'm getting my Brock Ched every time. Okay, and then I'm eating the bowl. Oh yeah, yeah, that's the best part. When <laughs> yeah, it's soaked you, up with all the, bowl. the juices. Yeah, but like, they they announced like some new sandwiches they're adding. Okay, and this doesn't seem revolutionary. Really hit me with it. We got like a toasted Italiano, which is just like it's it's an Italian sandwich. Yeah, it's a Subway sub. We okay. got a chicken bacon rancher. No, thank like, you. Yeah, it's, I, I love a chicken bacon ranch, but that's not every place has that. Yeah. yeah. A, Oh, C-I-A-B-A-T-T-A. What do you think that is? Ciabatta. Ciabatta? Is that ciabatta? C-I... Yeah, it sounds like ciabatta. Cheesesteak. Ciabatta cheesesteak? Ciabatta cheesesteak. Oh, that's me. Yeah, you're in on that? That's me. All right. Dude, All right. Because their white cheddar cheesesteak, I think, is the best thing on the menu right now. You delete the horseradish and add uh, spicy chipotle sauce. It's amazing. Well, now you got some steak in there. Yeah. And then the last is a tomato basil BLT. Eh, I could not be more out on a sandwich than a beer. Are they adding new soups? uh, They should add more soups or more mac and cheeses because that's they're 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 adding bacon mac and cheese. A couple years, oh, that's good. A couple years ago, they added like flatbread pizzas. You remember that? Yeah, those are good. Ah, I don't think they're that good. There, there's something. I think that there's like (laughs) enough food there compared to their other offerings. Yeah, the portion size is good for sure. Uh, but yeah, it's it doesn't do it for me. I can't get like a full meal out of Panera without spending eighteen dollars. Oh, I know. I I literally I'm ashamed to say 
I spent $32 on there like two weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, no, because you go and they have like the, oh, you get the two for two for deal. You yeah, get a soup no, you and a sandwich. you can't do that because that's no, and then, like, it's they, not going to fill you up at yeah, all. Yeah, it's like a $9 so grilled did, cheese. Uh, right. that I did a bowl of soup. I did a full sandwich. Comes with a bag of chips, whatever, and I got a cookie. And it was like $28. They do make the best damn chips. Really? Panera chips. I think they're what they're like they're, they're regular. Yeah, they're extra cooked. crunchy. They are. Yeah, they're extra that's crunchy. What, that's and they're, good. they're good for dipping. Oh, oh, in the in the broccoli chad, you dip oh. the chips in. Well, that's yeah. new. No, that's what it's that all about. I do love putting extra items in soup. Like like yeah, you you put the bread in there first, and yes. then you put the chips in there. And you put the chips in. Maybe you throw another slice of chicken in there. I've done that before. Okay, right. Like if I get the steak cheddar, if I get the steak sandwich, and some of the steak falls out of the sandwich, you put I'll, it in your I'll soup. Throw it in the soup. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's like when you get like like Moe's or something, and you eat your burrito over your chips. You got some nachos Ooh, ready for you at the I end of the meal. I don't think I've done that before, but <laughs> I have. I, I eat a messy burrito. I'm yeah, because you that. let it spill out, but oh, yeah. it spills out and onto the chips. And then I the usually chips. grab a fork, and that's how I no, eat the leftovers. Because then it's nachos. Oh, that's. I mean, that's a good point. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Moe's is just average. Oh, though. I love Moe's. I think uh, Cordoba way better. When you walk into Cordoba, are they welcoming you so so happily and heartily? No. Moe's is like, <laughs> you're the first customer we've had in four hours. Please order something. We're so happy to meet you. Welcome to Moe's. <laughs> love it. All right, if we missed anything on Dude Food, give us a shout. 833-804-0910. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM. Phone lines are open, 833-804-0910. Or you can tweet us at 910thefan at AWOD Radio. So we were just doing dude food, and I got a tweet that comes in from a big-time member of the AWOD Army. Always appreciate his support listening to the show. Ron says, Panera just added smoked chipotle chicken on sourdough he says it's fire that sounds really good smoked chipotle chicken on sourdough bread always fun when the listeners chime in on an impromptu dude food on awad radio but last night max shoga tops a thousand points for his collegiate career as the rams blitz rhode island 88 to 67 if you missed it rewind on the odyssey app back to 12 30 to hear my post-game chat with ECU point guard Zeb Jackson, who had an all-around effort with 11 points, six rebounds, five assists, and three steals to lead victory, lead VCU to a 21-point victory at home over the Rhode Island Rams. Joining us right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline covers VCU Athletics for the Richmond Times Dispatch. It's Zach Joachim. What's going on, Zach? Hey, what? What's up, man? How are you today? I'm doing great, man. Hey, can we give you a lot of credit? for the work that you've done and uh, getting a promotion. Have you made that uh, public yet? <laughs> I have, yes. I'm moving on to, to Deputy Sports Editor um, How about at that? the Times Dispatch. That's Thank our you guy. so much for that. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, I, man. You totally deserve it. Thank you so much. I appreciate that a great deal. I appreciate everyone in the Richmond area who's ever trusted me um, with their story. You know, I've been covering primarily high school sports in the area for a while and then last year moved on to VCU and have been doing a lot more college and, and professional coverage since and um, I love this area. It's been an honor to, to tell your stories, Richmond. So so thank you. That's awesome, man. So we're looking forward to uh, continued great coverage of VCU Athletics. Follow his work online, richmond.com. Uh, what was your biggest takeaway from the game last night? I, I think mine was I thought Zeb Jackson had a sense of urgency to start the game. Two assists and two steals in the first four minutes. 
he man, he was instrumental in that fast start, wasn't he? And even later in the game, I think you were you were sitting next to me and we were both pointing to it. They're up twenty plus points and he was picking up full court a yeah. little bit defensively. And so he he clearly sets the tone for this team intensity wise. Um he's the one leading the huddles, telling everyone to to get assembled during stoppages, right? Um and that's been awesome to see. I think this fan base has developed a really strong affinity for for Zeb through everything, all of the change in the off season with him kind of becoming the the de facto glue guy of this program, um, staying amid the coaching change and all the roster turnover. And so it, it's been awesome to see Zeb take on that leadership role. He's an incredibly easy guy to root for. I know you interviewed him yesterday. I always love talking to him. He's great with the media. Um, I mean, my biggest takeaway from last night is offensive cohesion, I think, right? This is, the to me, the most cohesive that we've seen this team on that end of the floor all year. And embracing roles is a huge part of that for me. I think they're finally – despite all of the, the adversity you know, of, of Joe and Sean missing a lot of time early in the year and then Zeb missing time with the back spasms kind of in the middle of conference play there. They finally, to me, seem settled on roles and rotations. Um, I think Ryan was, was feeling through what he wanted his bench to look like for a while there, right? Um, Fats was, was playing significant minutes at the end of conference play and then in those first couple of games, um, Michael Bell's minutes have increased since, and that's been a big part of the defensive turnaround, Michael Bell on that end of the floor, and Jason Nelson has been huge off the bench. He only scored three points last night, but, man, he affected the game um, in so many ways. Had another one of those chase-down steals. He's a fantastic ball handler. Um, And so there's a reason that he's playing 25-plus minutes off the bench, even though he's only scoring three points. He can affect the game in so many ways. And Joe and Max are obviously the big story, right? They, They lit it up, and when you've got a guy like Joe that can come off the bench and provide an offensive spark like that, then it's been uh, the driving force of some of the best offense that we've seen from this team all year, right? That second half against St. Joseph's, the whole game against Rhode Island, um, the whole game against St. Louis, they seem to have found an offensive rhythm, uh, Amherst and the UMass game notwithstanding, um, that I think has seen them playing their best basketball on that end of the floor of all year and up the Ryan Odomera to date. And Joe Bamis after the game, I believe he said, when I was open, I shot it, and sometimes <laughs> I wasn't open, and I shot it. It's just so cool to watch him. He, he, It seems like, so like, Brandon Rozell was the mayor of Richmond. Joe Bamiso might be the coolest guy in Richmond. It's awesome that this team has a, a few guys who have become really coveted fan favorites, right? Toby, too. The Toby chants all the time in the Seagull Center get really loud. And Joe interacts with the crowd a ton. Obviously, he's a hometown guy, and I think that's been a big part of it. And he's got, after all the adversity he's been through with his story um, and the different schools he's been at um, and returning to Richmond, it's a feel-good story, and so he's an easy guy to root for, but he's also just, like, his interaction with the crowd during games is awesome. He's always throwing up the three signs, right? He's high-fiving people on the sideline, running up and down the court if there's a stoppage, and he's asking for more noise. Um, and I think the VCU fans have loved that. And then, man, the, the, the Toby chants. Anytime he skies for one of those rebounds, I think it was the Black and Cold fan pod account yesterday, right, that posted a uh, a video of him grabbing a rebound, and it was a normal rebound, but it was not a normal rebound because it was a Toby Lawal rebound, and he just skied above everybody else and ripped it out of the air, and it, you know it's it's even fun to watch him just come down with normal boards, and so I think Joe and Toby's points sometimes count for more than two and three points. Right when they're putting the ball in the bucket, from a momentum standpoint, it gets this team going, and that has been the driving force of a, of a lot of the runs this year. You know, I was looking at uh, Matrix and, and Analytics has a new tweet out about the Atlantic Ten Conference standings. VCU still has a two point five for two point five five percent chance that they could finish first place in the A ten. 
Zach, you're telling me there's a chance. There is absolutely still a chance, which is wild to say with only three games left, right, given how this team started conference play. If you'd have told everyone after the George Washington game that with three games left in the year, this team was still going to be in the conference title picture, I think they would have told you you were crazy, right? But, but, but that's where we're at because they found a groove, and I think here's what needs to happen. They obviously have to win out. I think if they only need to win one of the last three games to clinch the four seed, um, and so that looks pretty solidified here, obviously, that Duquesne game at home, although they're, they're a solid team, is, is the easiest. And other than that, you've got two tough road tests at Robbins and at UD Arena, neither of which you can, you can bank on. But win one of those three games, and you've got the four seed. In order for them to win the conference, they have to win out, and then they need a loss from Loyola, um, who plays at Dayton, or not at Dayton, I think they host Dayton tomorrow night. Um, so you would think that there's a decent chance that they drop that game, and if Loyola drops that game, and then BCU beats Richmond on Saturday, then all of a sudden it's looking very realistic that they could have a, a share of the conference title. Um, they hold the tiebreakers, obviously, with the head-to-head over Dayton and, uh, and Richmond. Although I was just talking to Coach O'Boyle um, in the Basketball Development Center uh, about this, and I think the Atlantic 10 kind of does it weird. Even if you own the head-to-head tiebreaker, then you share the conference regular season title with a team if you have the same record at the end of the year. So I think in, in any of these permutations, VCU would be sharing a regular season title with a team that they have the same record as even if it's Dayton or Richmond and they're 2-0 and against those teams. But for, the, for them to still be in the hunt to share a conference regular season title at this juncture is a testament to, to what Ryan Odom's done this year, right, and putting a bunch of disparate pieces together um, to find a groove in conference play. Um, you know, at the lower points, the GW loss, the Norfolk State loss, the first couple losses uh, in Orlando, I think uh, a lot of ECU fans would have uh, would have taken this and run with it if you told them that the Rams would be in this position uh, with March looming. Absolutely. A four seed right now, I, I feel very strongly they'll lock up the double bye, and they could even climb, climb the conference standings. You know, the schedule plays out really nice for them. Number one, the goal would be to win out. Right, uh, tie for the conference uh, regular season title, or you take a tough loss at Richmond, or you take a tough loss at Dayton, and you learn from it, and then you're ready to play them again when it all matters most in Brooklyn for the A10 tournament. So I love that they have two very difficult road tests still ahead of them before A10 tournament in Brooklyn. Absolutely. What What did you say last week or a week or so ago when when you guys were talking about realistic expectations? on the black and gold fan pod it was to get to saturday yeah right and if you if you can get to saturday then those are the teams that you're in all likelihood going to see um and yeah so to have a matchup here um having already played those two teams twice in the regular season uh, and then you get to see them shortly before going to brooklyn i think that's a major advantage preparation wise going into going into those matchups later on man brooklyn's going to be a lot of fun are you excited i'm so fired up man i'll be doing three live shows Wednesday, Thursday, Friday from Black Forest, Brooklyn on Fulton Street. It's literally three blocks from the stadium. So I hope you can stop by, Zach. Absolutely. Can we talk about Max Shulga and the Bee Gees, though? Yeah, I know. (laughs) Michael Phillips spent like an hour and a half on it already. (laughs) (laughs) That's so good. I've got a bunch of people clamoring asking for a list of all of the celebration songs for the rest of the players. Now, so I'm I'm doing some uh, some journalistic digging right now to try and – to try and dig that up um, so that I could publish a list of everyone's celebration songs on the team because everyone's fascinated now. I listened to More Than a Woman this morning and I was <laughs> geeking out thinking about them celebrating in the locker room to that song. 
Yeah, no, it, it's hilarious, especially that it's Max Sholga that picked that as yeah. his song for being player of the game. You know what I think it is like an underrated big part of the game and, and that post-game press conference was analytics and how Ryan Odom is able to hold his players accountable. I thought it was really, really interesting how Sean Barristow pointed to, hey, the 3, 4, and 5, their job is to crash the glass and help with offensive rebounds. They track how many offensive rebounds those guys get. They track who wins the race. That's what the quote-unquote they said in fast breaks. The, every little thing that they do on the court is tracked, and it helps them hold the players accountable. You know, you know the standard that you've set earlier in the season. If you drop off, they're going to call you out on it. And I think it's why this team has gelled so well. I think Matt Hart, the lead analytics guy, is, is very much leading that charge for VCU. He was obviously with Ryan um, at Utah State and has been a big part of his staff for years now, former George Washington player. Um, and I think that Ryan has said before that this is the best team that he's ever had in terms of digesting film study. And I think that's a big part of that, right? When you can present a takeaway um, like how you're crashing the glass to players from an analytic standpoint and give them you know, a tangible number to understand what the coaches are seeing on film, then that helps you know, college kids be able to, to, to understand and digest that and put that into action and manifest it in your next game a ton, right? And so I think that this staff has done a wonderful job of communicating stuff like that to these players and, and exactly analytics focus is a big part of that and that's why Ryan has had such glowing praise of this team's ability to break down film and to put the things that they learn from film study into action in the next game. Zach, always great stuff, man. Read his work online, richmond.com. Follow Zach Joachim on social media, at Zach Joachim. Thanks a lot, man. Hey, you're the best. Everyone come out to the stew on Saturday. Come support the women. Yep, absolutely. The support her game, 1 p.m. at the Siegel Center before we head to Henrico, the Robin Center for VCU at Richmond. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back.